Hola. I'm Mariana. I'm James. I'm Simon. And this is El Cine. Welcome to El Cine. Today we have a great friend, guest, and all things amazing, Roz Drezfalez, the host of Ghosted, our favorite podcast, our uh, network sister here. Uh, Roz is just amazing, uh, just visually stunning, and uh, her stories are just fantastic. And so are her guests. We love it. We talk a little bit about uh, ghosts and scary stories uh, and we discuss all her favorite films and influences. So stay tuned, relax, and you're going to have so much fun. Thank you for tuning in today. We are here recording our awesome podcast. We're so excited to be with you. Our guest today is Ross Dressfales. Hola. Hola. Um, if you don't know her, she's a drag queen comedian, host, writer, and male actress known as the Bargain Bin Beauty based in Los Angeles. She can be seen on stage literally any place fine drag queens are sold. <laughs> this is an amazing file. <laughs> Including her role as the host of Ross Matthews' Dragastic Bubbly Brunch, the once over at the Hollywood Improv, and she will be soon at the Comedy Club and a gay bar near you. Ta- Hi, welcome. Thank you for being here. She's also the host of of Ghosted, which is amazing. And if you haven't heard that podcast, you definitely need to listen. Uh, it's so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. You guys are so right. cool. You're <laughs> so cool. Um, we had a, a uh, event with you where you hosted yes. one of our Q&As, and it was so awesome. I know. It was so fun because it was uh, the movie Jawbreaker, mm-hmm. which I love. And it, I got to interview my friend Darren Stein, the director. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. He's I love amazing. Darren. We I also, had him on mine too. Yeah. Yeah, because he uh, he went to this spooky store that's not far from here, and they have a lot of haunted objects, and some like entity like attached itself to Darren. Yeah. No. I listened to that episode. Yeah. It was so awesome it's so funny to think of the things you walk into and what energies you carry from that and i know I that's know. something you guys talk about a lot and it's totally so exciting that stuff is spooky sure like attach like demons attaching themselves you do you guys all believe in that stuff yeah i, I, I feel like you don't Simon. it's not it's not that i don't it's that i think i've wanted to experience it mm-hmm. so much that it avoids me that's how I feel lately. Like I, I'm, I try to put myself in these situations. I go to haunted houses. I go to weird places. I've mm-hmm. been to the Winchester. Like cool. I go to places and I'm expecting it yeah. and I'm looking for it and I really want it to happen. And I think because of that, it doesn't. <laughs> That's how I feel lately. Uh, I've been going like now that the podcast has been up and rolling for quite a few months, and I've been sharing all these ghost stories that have happened to me. Now, when I go to haunted places, I keep thinking that the ghosts are like. <sighs> like thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you want. Still so 
<laughs> Desperate is not fun. It's yeah. not fun because yeah. I'm expecting they it. They want to like get me off guard. Yeah, I'm like, like Bill Murray in Little Shop of Horrors. Like yeah. I want the pain. It's not fun <laughs> for Steve Martin. Yeah, and I feel like they're just like, you're just going to go off and gossip about us. Like, yeah. <laughs> calm down. Yeah. It's crazy. When I was a kid, my biggest fear was that Jesus himself would be the ghost that haunted me. And I think <laughs> that's pure Catholic guilt. But I would always look in the mirror and always think that Jesus's <gasps> image was going to come before oh, me. Yeah. And for some reason, that was way more terrifying than like a ghost. I mean, he's or... the first zombie. Yeah. 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 At least yeah. he has abs. I mean, he's beautiful. <laughs> he's a gorgeous I'm okay man. With it. I'm like, yeah. I'm good, and he's almighty ghosts. and powerful. But I guess the idea that if if you really, I mean, I know that people say God is watching you at all times, but the idea that he's in your room watching you at he all times, yeah. it's just creepy. It was really scary, but yeah, I believe in that stuff, I, and I I think that that is really funny because the more you uh, believe in it, the the more you're like, oh, I want to be open to this, but like, I don't want to be possessed. Yeah. So yeah. where's the fine line that yeah. I shut that door and then say, hey, like, I'm cool to hang with you, ghosts, but please don't take over my body. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I believe in it because I had an encounter in my, yeah, in my ap- apartment in Hollywood. Yeah, I mentioned it to you last really? time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I did have something that attached itself to me. And apparently, I, I had a, a psychic buddy, he's intuitive. And he basically told me that's what had happened, that something had attached itself to me. Did you black out for a couple of hours? Or? No, no. I actually heard my name spoken in my ear one evening. And then, like, the next couple of evenings, I had things, like, touching me or a thing touching me. So <gasps> How'd you get I, rid of it? Um, my, my buddy who told me what it was, uh, he walked me through all the procedures of how to bless my house, my apartment, and how to chase it out of there. And yeah. it was pretty scary. But the funny thing was that when I'm not much of a churchgoer, but when I told my religious mother and other relatives about it, they didn't believe me at all. <laughs> oh They're like, no, you must have been dreaming. And I'm yeah. like, you, you're, you're supposed to believe ones. in angels and demons. And yeah. They're like, no, 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 that thing, does, that doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, the Latin culture yeah. is so selective. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, my mom is super into, like, she'll have the house be blessed and, and yeah, burn yeah, yeah. sage. My dad believes in the evil eye yeah. and is, like, convinced when anything bad happens to him, it's because someone has cursed him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very weird. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm definitely not an expert about this stuff, but I'm learning a lot. And I just had a psychic come on and she was sort of explaining to me you know, how to be open to it and how to put a wall up so that you're not oh, letting cool. in the wrong, you know, energies and stuff, which I'm just like I'm trying to learn more about. So, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Apparently, according to the psychic, there is a um short homeless-looking man with a an entity attached to him that keeps following me around. So, I have to wear this crystal that I've been wearing she gave to me to oh, protect yeah. me. Oh, yeah. What kind of stone is, that is, a pyrite? is it? Smoky quartz? Or? It's a... Smoky quartz? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Smoky quartz? That sounds like an old-timey comedy <laughs> comedian. Yeah. Smoky quartz! Smoky quartz! Um, I don't know. Kyanite? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's black it for is. those of you who are okay. not yeah. seeing oh, it. Oh, that's right. I forget. This is not yeah. a visual medium. <laughs> um, no, it's... It good. does Which, look like a, a nice smoky... Quartz, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. smoky quartz. Yeah. Um, but which uh, that reminds me that how unfortunate it is that people can't see this amazing gown I'm wearing right it's now. True. It's true. It's quite. St- it, did you make this yourself? Or you um, I did. I sewed this. It? I um, hand beaded all these diamond crystal 
uh, beads. It's incredible. And yeah. the, Thank the, you. The tail is amazing. It's yeah. like taking up yeah, most of the room. Uh, well, yeah, a little bit of it is hanging outside of the um, room right now because it's quite the train. Very yeah. showgirls. I yeah. like it. Yeah. <laughs> we do you. have a dress code for the podcast, which is red carpet ready. Thank Always. you. So I'm glad <laughs> well, you got you know the what? memo. Yeah, if I hear um, a challenge, I rise to it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, this film you picked. Yeah. So we are discussing Boogie Nights today by Paul Thomas Anderson, directed by him and Britain. Uh, it, it, it came out in 1997. Actually, it was released in uh, Halloween. Which is it on, not a Halloween on, movie. It was on actual Halloween. Yeah, yeah on Halloween, yeah. nineteen ninety-seven. So when was the first time everybody watched it? Let's go around and uh, James. When did you see it first? I saw it when it came out. Probably not opening weekend, but like like second weekend or third weekend. Uh, just because the cast it was an amazing cast. Yeah. And, so the cast is Mark Wahlberg, yeah. uh, Julianne Moore, Burt Reynolds, um, Don Cheeto. Don uh, Cheeto, Don Cheadle. Cheeto. I like Don Cheeto. I, like Don Cheeto. I mean, Don Cheeto is amazing, <laughs> but he's great. not in this movie. He's hot Cheeto. Don Cheeto. Uh, okay, you guys, my Captain, love. Captain yes. Planet himself is in this movie, and he is my favorite storyline. <laughs> but you've also got Heather Graham. You've yeah. also got uh, John C. Riley, William H. Macy, Philip Louise Seymour Guzman. Hoffman. Uh, Robert Downey Sr. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. Yeah. Many it, people. Many, many people. Uh, so, yeah. So, you saw it because of the cast. Did you go out on Halloween? No, no. Okay. I, it was probably a couple of weeks after that. Yeah. But I, I actually, I did go because of Marky Mark. Who, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Was, you know, had just done his uh, famous underwear campaign and he was, you know, a musician before that. But Leonardo DiCaprio had been offered the role and then rec- said he uh, couldn't do it. And then uh, he's the one who suggested Marky Mark. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah. He's not only saving the planet. But he's providing roles for everybody, so yeah. That's and a great uh, thing. I think when uh, Burt Reynolds was on, uh, he was on uh, what's his name? Um, oh, 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 late night talk show. Anyways, uh, the, the story came up that he turned down the part seven times that they offered it to him. He turned it out seven times because he didn't feel comfortable being in a movie that was about a very over, overtly sexual um, subject matter. Yeah, as this was. Mm. Yeah, I um I know somebody who worked with him, and he had told her, and I think it's a famous story too, that when a- after he shot the movie, he fired his entire team because he thought it was a bad decision, and that he didn't like how it was glamorizing pornography and all this stuff, and then really uh, he just fired everybody, and then the movie obviously came out, was a huge hit, and he yeah, and he had, got rave reviews yeah. for his performance. Yeah. He's so yeah. good in it. Yeah, yeah. He's plus like part. the most famous photo of him is that naked <laughs> right. laying on the rug. I know. So it's so <laughs> unexpected, but yeah. I think it was like um, him being, uh, I think he was scared that because he had done that, it would be like. He didn't want that to be yeah, his brand. Yeah, he didn't want that to always be his brand. Yeah. 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 Halloween 1997, what did everyone dress like? Go. Damn. Uh, that was my first year in America. So really? I think I was Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind. Wow. Yeah. Wearing I the remember. curtains? Yeah, I was wearing the curtains. <laughs> All right. I actually have a picture of it and like a wig that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget a Coconut Grove, Miami, in 1997. All right. Yeah, I but was it... Scooby Doo. Cute. Wow. I had like Cute. a whole Scooby Doo kind of mascot with a head and everything. Uh, yeah, I think I, I dressed it. like Alex, one of the guys from Clockwork Orange, with Whoa. a little derby. Oh wow, that's so cool. <laughs> what about you? I know it was my question, and I don't even know. Well, I would have been six. I think I dressed like. Um, well, I had this really cool thing. My father loved 
this is probably where the drag like originally came from. Of all people, was my straight father. <laughs> he he would do this thing on Halloween where he would go into the bathroom and we would, didn't know like what was gonna come out. Yeah. And he would like be in there for like an hour, hour and a half, and he'd come out and he'd be Frankenstein oh, and he'd have cool. like the bolts in his neck and like the makeup. So I think it was probably that. I remember one year we were that he was the genie, I was Aladdin, my sisters were Jasmines. Um, That's so cute. So it was one of the, something like that. That's, That's so really cool. Fun. Yeah, with the whole family would dress. So together. nice. When was the first time you saw Boogie Nights? Um, well, I was six. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> definitely not when it came out. Uh, I think I saw it in my early 20s or late teens. And it has gone on to become one of those movies that I can watch all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it never gets old to me. I love watching it. My absolute favorite movie of all time is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, but <laughs> I've talked about that on, like, so many other podcasts. Right. So, so I thought I would talk about Boogie Nights today because b- both of those movies, actually, the thing that I really, I really resonate with is just, like, this idea of being, like, an outsider and otherness and... What I love so much about Boogie Nights is that it's a bunch of outsiders, outcasts that have this family. Like it feels like a family vibe. And I think that's so cool. Um, These people that are, you know, society has pushed them out to the fringes. and, And they're truly good people that have put themselves in terrible situations at times. And so when I was in my early 20s, that was sort of how I felt, like doing drag, and I used to drink and party a lot. And um, yeah, I saw it, and I was like, and I started to build this queer family for myself, which uh, we were not working in porn, but it was still, you know, I, I could really relate to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think when I saw that at that age, it was like, this is great. Like yeah. this. I mean, I, I rewatched it last night mm-hmm. uh, to get ready for this, and I saw it probably when it first came out on home video because uh, mm-hmm. I didn't see it in the theaters. And it, like, I, I'd remembered so many big moments where, like, oh, yeah, Boogie Nights, I remembered. Like, uh, the William H. Macy shooting himself, I mm-hmm. remembered. Uh, like, like you know, specific big scenes in the movie, but I'd forgotten that it feels sort of like a dramatic documentary. Yeah. It's it's not really a threaded storyline. I nah. mean, there is obviously a beginning, middle, and an end to a lot of characters. Uh, it feels like slice art. of life. Yeah. But yeah. It, there's like so many little mm-hmm. moments that are just yeah. like, this is what it was like to be in this yeah. world at this time. And ultimately, it is about a family. It's about redemption. It's about a prodigal son. It's, it is a family movie. Yeah. And it's... And for a movie that's about the porn industry and that is very sexual, um, I didn't find the sex scenes erotic or exciting. Mm-hmm. They were very clinical. They were They're very mechanical. Very yeah, mechanical yeah. because yeah. even like the, the mother-son relationship between Julianne Moore and Mark Wahlberg, yeah. despite the fact that they are fucking the entire movie, yeah. doesn't seem incestuous because the sex seems like it's just a part of what they do. Right. Yeah. It's their their actors. Yeah. And everyone I know that yeah. has like worked in porn, that's what they say. Yeah. It's like it's not like sexy like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, it's like shooting a sex scene. It's the least sexy thing I've yeah. ever done. Although I love that that's Mark Wahlberg at least at the beginning before he becomes a jaded asshole. That's his 
his entire preoccupation is like, does it look sexy? Yeah. Is it yeah. sexy? Yeah. Does it feel sexy? Yeah. Like, I just want to make sexy. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, again, it's the idea of, like, that's what he thinks it is. And then you realize, no, it's, you just do this job and then you party and then you just, like, build this yeah. fast and the furious family. <laughs> I think when it takes place in 1977, I would have been 11. So when I saw the movie, I love that period that was captured in the yeah. movie mm-hmm. and just kind of like the way Once Upon a Time in Hollywood feels now. It's really cool to see it that uh, era totally. of Hollywood back then. Like, I enjoyed that very much in this movie. Like, what was the valley like in 1977? Yeah. yeah. So all the, the soundtrack is amazing. Uh, the camera work is also, like, yeah. just so beautiful. There are, like, nonstop camera moves around all the characters. Oh, my God, those scenes. Like, yeah. the one where the girl dro- jumps into the pool. Like, yeah. I feel like that's a very iconic scene. Or, like, the opening. Mm-hmm. It's all just, like, one shot. And it's you just see these little vignettes, you know. Like, you just you get to be a part of this conversation. Yeah. Then you walk to the next part. Yeah, it's you know, kind of it's so like, cool. link Leader-esque Or, like, Sleep No More, just, yeah. where you, like, yeah. are walking through it and seeing different aspects well, yeah, of things yeah. that it, it, are it's, it's very voyeuristic. Yeah. yeah. Which goes hand in hand with the porn stuff. Yeah. I also, the one thing I did realize that I was like, oh, I feel this is just like, there could have been a smarter way to do this, which is getting Mark Wahlberg out of his house, is that scene that came out of fucking nowhere where his mom is just like attacking him for having a girlfriend and being like, you're sleeping with this little slut and get out of here and and you you don't own any of this stuff. I bought all this stuff. And yeah, it it really comes out of nowhere. I was reading about it that. Paul Thomas Anderson wanted to explore that relationship more. And I think they filmed more um, with his mother and tried to, you know, they wanted to explain more. But for whatever reason, they cut it. I don't know, for time It's or already something. a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, it is a long. long. Movie. Yeah. 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 So I don't really know what was going on with that mom. But yeah. she was drinking and. Well, yeah. I mean, so this movie kind of explores families and explores this, like, the idea that, you know, even the people who you think of one way are actually just all flawed and all hurt and all trying to figure it out. But it's also just about this director's dream of making a porn movie that people want to finish watching even after they've finished (laughs) themselves. Um, And I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it made me, when I was watching it, it was like, oh, that's kind of gone now. And I mean, that is covered in the movie. Like, by the end of it, they're on VHS making two girls making out in a hot tub movies that have no plot. There's no narrative at all. But there used to be a narrative, uh, which is kind of fascinating to think about that. It's like when you also watch I don't know if you guys saw that Linda Lovelace movie but oh, yeah. the original Deep Throat was a narrative mm-hmm. and ended up getting a lot of attention and I think that was like prime of what was happening at that time that was around right. the same time this movie takes place and it's yeah people were way more artistic with it I mean we were just talking about the first midnight movie which was uh, Jodorowsky's El Topo and it was only played in a porn cinema at midnight because it was too no, risky yeah, yeah it was so risky of a mm. film that the only person who took a chance on like the first Jodorowsky film was a a porn theater. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think that well, porn drives a lot. Like yeah. it's the reason why a lot of technology wins yeah. over other technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. The puritanical technologies like Betamax and HDT DVD are like no porn for us. Or like no one's buying know, your porn, machines. It's so weird because it like it holds so much power, but like people don't. It's still disdained. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. just like in that movie, that, that scene where Don Cheadle's at the bank asking for a loan. Mm-hmm. And he's done everything right, and he's got the stereo equipment experience, yeah. and he's just like the nicest guy. 
And they're like, no, we can't do it because you work in porn. Stigma. And yeah. you know that that banker totally watches porn. Oh, of course. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, like, keep making it so that I can enjoy it, but I'm not going to help you out and yeah. become, yeah. become and legitimate. And Julianne Moore's situation also yeah, with her kid. kid. Yeah, we're Oh, so yeah. heartbreaking. That is the most heartbreaking part of that film. Yeah. So sad. Um, but if you haven't seen Boogie Nights, here's... We just ruined all of it. A bunch of scenes. But I'll give you the plot, which is uh, the adult film director, which is Burt Reynolds, uh, is always on the lookout for new talent. And he meets Eddie Adams, which is Marky Mark uh, or Mark Wahlberg, as you know him. Um, who he's working of at a the bus happening. He, yep, <laughs> um, and he's working at a bu- as a busboy in a restaurant. And Eddie quickly becomes like the top industry porn uh, he actor. He creates this character called Dirk Diggler yeah. and becomes the James Bond. Of porn with his like right hand man John C. Riley, who is <laughs> basically Steve Brule. Yeah. Uh, in porn, it's um, it's Steve Brule and his character from Talladega Nights rolled into one. <laughs> there is a scene where he is in a hot tub with Marky Mark, and he's like, "I just made a poem. You want to hear it?" And it is the most Brule fucking poem. It's like about bees and sti- but bees can't sting me because I love you. Um, it is the most incredible thing. You're just like, oh my god. He had this character in his pocket way back then. Yeah. He's also obsessed with magic. John C. Riley's character is, I think, an unsung hero in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Totally. He's Completely. definitely the comic relief. Yeah. And uh, oh, and the late uh, Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman is incredible. Yeah. I mean, the, the movie's just full of these moments. It's really just a movie of moments, and they're mm-hmm. captured really well. Um, and yeah, like it's 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 funny that it's set in the porn industry because it, it that's very. It's universal. Uh, like, yeah, it's a, a of... universal story. It's really yeah. off to the side. I really do love how, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, to me, is one of the greatest directors of our time. Um, in I, There Will Be Blood is one of the greatest. All the industries that he usually takes under are like industries that we all know about, but then yeah. we don't really dig into the... The risks of those industries, whatever they may be, whether it be fashion or oil mining or finding uh, harmoniums yeah. on the side of the road and selling plungers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and I think that this movie is very much in his. I mean, the music always in his films are incredible. The music in this is like so good, so good. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I I saw it for the first time yesterday. So really? Thank you. Yeah, I had yeah. never seen it. There's something about I um. I came from a family that's like very sexually open and it always <laughs> made me uncomfortable and yeah, I Mormon parents hippie children hippie yeah, children uh, hippie yes. parents Mormon children and it's not like um I, it's more like, oh my God, is somebody going to hear that I'm watching this and think that I'm watching something else? And then I feel weird if I'm watching it on my headphones because I'm like, am I hiding from somebody? Like, what is happening? And it makes me become so self-conscious about watching whatever sexual things I want to watch. Um, but so yesterday I was like, okay, well, it's three in the afternoon. Hopefully everybody's at work. No risk. <laughs> um, and I watched it. And I mean, the performances are brilliant, like as you know, and I think that there's... Um, I love films. To me, I think the human story is always of, um, like, you rise, you fall, you rise, you fall. And I think that there, I felt really gratified at the end of it. Obviously, there are things that I, I wish didn't happen. But mm-hmm. I definitely feel like you said, I mean, it's it's it, it's about the porn industry, but it could have been about another industry that people look down upon or shame or whatever that might be. Well, that's so funny yeah. that we're talking about this because 
I never even think about it as a porn movie right. at all. Well, and unfortunately, that's what kept me out of it for so long. Yeah, I think and a so lot then when I was watching do. it, I was like, oh gosh, like this is a masterpiece. Yeah. And like, why have I not watched it? Yeah. It's just, it's a character mm-hmm. study. It's all yeah. character studies. Every character, it's it's these little snippets. Yeah. Like, even uh, William H Macy, who's got arguably the the most one dimensional uh, storyline <laughs> yeah. is still amazing <laughs> and uh, and then at the very end like when they're doing all the wrap ups there's like this cute little nod of like there's a painting of William H Macy on the wall at Burt Reynolds house mm-hmm. which is the wall he shot himself against yeah um and like these like tiny yeah. little details that I, I that I really appreciated watching it again yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm very impressed with the movie, even though I was watching it being like, there's a lot of scenes that don't really mean yeah. anything. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff thrown in that is kind of unnecessary, but I'm not mad at it. Yeah, I'm never mad at it. It yeah. just makes me feel like it's, you get to be a part of that world for just just a moment. I don't know. Yeah. I just and, think it's so cool. Part of the, yeah. that world was always, well, I was always very curious about it when I moved out here. Because um, I moved out here five years after most of my uh, film student friends had moved out to L.A. to get into the industry. Uh-huh. And um, when they were telling me, I, I kept hearing a lot about, oh, porn, it's in the valley. It's in the valley. Like yeah. the valley is where porn is made. So, um, and I've driven up and down. Yeah, I can't can't find it. Nothing. I can't can't find find shit. I'm knocking on doors. But I did. I did have friends telling me like, uh, that's where I know you. (laughs) I've seen your work. I've been driving around. I know every street. No, uh, my friends would tell me like what they did for work. Like, oh, well, if I can't in between shows or something, Mm -hmm. you know, I would be a gaffer, electrician on a porn shoot. I'm like, you would? And he was like, they're like, yeah, it's just a job. You know, it's a day or two. We do that. And I'm like, I was always like, what's it like? And they're like, dude, it's just a shoot. It's just yeah. a shoot. It's just a job. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing, yeah. like, exciting about it at all. You just do it. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> it never looks like the production is, like, that great. Where there used to be these photos that were up at the LACMA. And it was, it's a famous photographer, which we'll find these photos and I'll post them. But um, it's a famous photographer and they were shooting photos in the valley while porn was being made of the oh, productions cool. but it's also in the 70s so mm-hmm. that's the same thing that you were saying like in this movie there are snippets of things that don't really need to be there but because it's in the sev- like it's also glamorous yeah. and beautiful and the music is wonderful well, you're like I'm at a party and rock and roll yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. it's it's kind of like aesthetic 70s porn yeah mm-hmm. uh, if you yeah. pardon the, the the pun the the idea is that you're just like Oh, it's just cool to look at it. Yeah. Same with like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. There's a lot of yes. stuff that I'm just like, Ugh. you're just jerking off to the fact that you could recreate this moment, but it's also really cool that you could recreate this moment. Yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah. I think especially if you live here, like to see your surroundings, like how they once were. Like, yeah, it's, it, yeah, yeah, I love that. And you do get caught up in it, you know, like in LA and what it is. And so when you see movies of people who are also caught up in it and what it is, you're like, okay, this is just part of this bubble we live here in LA where you could be just at somebody's house and then, you know, Mark Paul Gossler can show up and, you're like, oh, I've watched this person my entire life and here is this. Or it be that you – anything – really anything can happen at any moment. And- yeah, but I also think that uh, what what I like about this is that it's universal because a lot of people will say like, oh, you know, shows and movies about Hollywood are really just for the people who yeah, work in Hollywood. Right. Um, but then you'll have things that break out like 30 Rock or, or Boogie Nights or things like that that are so specific and and winking and being like, hey, guys, look at this. Look at this boulevard. Look at this place yeah. we're eating. 
but it doesn't really matter. That's just like that's icing. That's Easter eggs for the locals, right? Yeah, but not part of the story. Yeah. yeah. Going back to what Boogie Nights is, what is your guys' first experience with porn? And have you ever watched a porn movie for the plot or gotten into a porn movie's plot? Oh, yeah. All? I started it on my birthday. <laughs> Which birthday? Which birthday? <laughs> I started this on my year? birthday. No, <laughs> Happy no. birthday, this James. This was uh, my, first, my first birthday away from home uh, in oh. college. Oh. Where I, I, for my birthday present, I'm like, I'm going to go rent some porn. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and I'm like, I had a beta machine at the time, which is like, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, people either had beta or VHS. And uh, I, I, I had a beta machine, so I rented, and I could only rent VHS porn. Yeah. So I had to rent a VHS machine as well. <laughs> exactly. And then oh, so I'm wow. like, that's why beta's not around anymore. While <laughs> I have both machines, I'll go ahead and I'll just pirate it. So I'll have my own <laughs> copies of all these movies on beta, no less. On beta. And then my roommates found out about it, and then they wanted to watch all of my porn. So then I'm like, oh, this stuff is kind of valuable. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so it was kind of like a treat, and then it became like a friend-sharing experience. And a business guy. <laughs> yeah, you became the Burt Reynolds of your dorm. <laughs> I remember a family friend, like they— they had kids that were like my age, and they had found VHS that was a porn, and— I remember being so nervous to watch it because, as some of us may recall, like VHS, if you sometimes the the tape could get caught yeah. in, yes. the, in yeah. the machine. The yeah. Could you imagine? Like yeah. that oh my was God. my nightmare. If the oh. porn got caught in there and I couldn't get it out, that and happened everyone to me. Would know. Oh, no. That happened to me because I loaned uh, a college friend he, uh, my machine because he said, "Oh, hey, can I borrow your machine?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." I totally forgot I had a porn tape in the machine when I lent it to him. And then he called me up later because he had a, a roommate who was much younger. And he said, hey, uh, just letting you know, you had a tape in there and John's watching it right now. And I think it's a porn tape. I'm like, oh, my God. I got so, you know, I was so embarrassed. And then he said, no, no, John says it's really good. He's really enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's a weird stigma oh, over the things we all do. It's like the weirdest yeah. thing. Like, you're not allowed to talk about going to the bathroom. You're not allowed to talk about sex. You're not allowed mm -hmm. to talk about dying a lot of the times. You're not allowed to talk about basic, universal human truths. Yeah, which is interesting. I, My first experience with porn, I think so. My um, family in Brazil, my they were like, they had a TV station. And my dad hired, there was this woman who was very famous at the current moment. And she, because Brazil, Brazil is pure nudity all the, sex, time. Yeah, all the yeah. time. Sex all the time. Nudity all the time. Everybody wears a banana hammock. You know what everybody's oh, no, yeah. penis looks like. The children's shows are it's just women sure. shaking their boobs Yeah, and, and the commercials really? are women <laughs> completely naked wow. dancing samba, right? So this is the a culture. Commercial. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, wow. open TV. And so it's really interesting. And, um, so there was this woman, her name was Chazinha, and she started wearing these like full on bodysuits that were crazy sexy see through. And she uh, wore a Zorro mask and a whip, and she started going to the center of town just like that and like whipping men as they walked around and like doing all this. Really, but she was also. So, I remember seeing her and being like, "That's what I want to look like when I grow up." Like, this woman is a god. And so my dad hired her to like do one of their commercials for a product they were releasing, 
And so she spent a lot of time with my family. And I remember thinking she was just so insanely beautiful and cool and nice and all this stuff. And then my mom was like, do you know what, who, what she does? And I remember being like, no. And then realized my, and then my brother's like, oh, this is her, my older brother. And then he obviously like found this playboy and it was like all her photos. And I remember being like, holy shit right <laughs> this woman who like but it was interesting because it was with a woman who i admired yeah. and like respected before i knew that that's what she did yeah uh-huh. and she became she kind of was bold as hell she just wore this outfit went to the center of town yeah. and was like kind of a wild I mean, feminist she was already an exhibition wow. yeah so i'm assuming that like seeing the playboy wasn't like a shock but more like i think i interpreting that as yeah, empowering. yeah mm-hmm. i think i really did interpret it as empowering and then i as i grew up i grew up with like very open-minded people my friend my best friend Kelly's dog's name was Kinky so it was like <laughs> you know sex was a very open subject yeah. and um, we would like sometimes go to parties and the boys would be like do you want to see this porn it's with the blah 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 and I'd be like and then they'd play it and you'd be like okay this is just uncomfortable but you yeah. guys are 12 and I'm gonna leave now <laughs> um, so I think that was like my I, that's kind of what that was my first experience I think well, was understanding very interesting what it a is. personal experience of like yeah. getting to know someone liking someone and then yeah and everybody should out. google her her name's Chazinga uh, and she's just like it rad. sounds it's spelled just like it <laughs> yeah. sounds everybody yeah. sure um, I'll, I'll, Wait, I'll post it? something about it how um, do you spell it it's T-I-A okay Z-I-N-H-A wow and it okay. means like your little aunt Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Susan Alves? Yeah, that's her. Oh my gosh, Brazilian That's her mask dancing. right there. <gasps> cool. Yeah. She's sexy. She's so hot. Oh, there you go. The Zorro mask. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I can see why you would want to be like her. She's and she was bold as hell and like unapologetic and I used to think that's that's so rad, yeah. you know? Um It's always interesting. So... Like, yeah, I think porn like again, porn uh whether it it it, it creates uh, the idea of like creating secrets and yeah. and or a community of friends that feel comfortable <laughs> right. now that you've opened up that you also do this yeah. or feeling empowered. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. When I was a kid, I mean, my very, very first experience was in Canada, there was a channel that had scrambled porn. So it was like we would sneak down and watch it. And before we even really knew what to do, but it was just like very scramble like every once in a while you'd be like oh that's a breast um, totally and it was very weird but porn porn it was but you in, could hear it yeah you could hear it yeah and in Mexico uh, we had this giant satellite dish in order to watch television and to change the channel sometimes you have to change satellites and it would take like 10 minutes for this giant thing on the roof <laughs> to rotate and find the next satellite. <laughs> Fucking insane. Oh, we all have it so good these days. Yeah, I know, we, we really, really do. do yeah. So like, Kids these days. G5, I remember the satellite, G5 Channel 2 was the Playboy Channel. And Playboy Channel in the early 90s wasn't raunchy, really. It wasn't like full-on penetration or like flat-out sex scenes. But I remember as a kid there was this one specific story that like, like I remembered like watching when no one was around and and feeling like I was getting away with something and it's not even that dirty it's just it's kind of a stupid little skit but it's a woman driving a car and a bee gets comes into her car and the bee keeps like flying at her and she's like freaking out and first the bee makes her spill her coffee on her on her skirt so she takes her skirt oh, off no. and then 
the bee flies into off. her shirt and she rips her shirt off. Oh, this and, damn uh, bee. And the bee keeps like basically she just strips naked because of the bee and then gets pulled over by a cop. And then the cop sees her all naked and she's all like, oh no. And he's like, come on, we'll go to my squad car. And they go and they like, and then you don't see what happens after that. You just see them kind of go off and assume they're going to go have fun. And then it cuts to a bunch of cops on the top of a road with like a, a jar full of bees. Of course. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. But that was my funny. first real porn. That and Screw, which was a parody of Clue. The, uh, Whoa. A porn parody of Clue. Wow. So story so story driven porn was a huge part. Of, yeah, uh, of I my definitely childhood. remember we did not have Cinemax growing up, but you know, every maybe once a year it would be like sit up, like you get free weekend subscription or whatever, and then it would play, and you would see those kind of movies where like it wasn't penetration, but it was those Skinamax movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. candles and like lots of candles. lots of ass shots. Yeah, yeah. 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 All you side, see is boobs. side tits, side boobs. And like for me, like I wanted to see more of the man. Yeah, yeah. you see yeah. a lot of man ass in those. You see, yeah, I guess you see a lot of man yeah, ass. Yeah, but the, the fact that they don't didn't show penises like all that much it mm-hmm. makes you be like how am I not supposed to be shocked when I see a penis yeah. if you don't yeah, show exactly. me what the penis looks like yeah. you know what I mean Definitely. and then I have to try and be cool <laughs> yeah. how am I supposed to react well, the, I mean, plus there's two different types so they don't warn you about that Exactly. they don't warn you about the anteater or the mushroom you just get surprised once it's too late oh to say anything about it once you're there you can't be like ah, this was not what I was expecting this is not what they look like on cinema yeah. Yeah. where is the candlelight yeah but the, yeah, the the porn that I that I rented was gay porn, and so that was for me educational as well as like just curious because yeah, yeah. like I wasn't seeing like that around and like well you know how do you guys do it so um mm-hmm. that was like we we're like whoa these first tapes that we watched and like one of our roommates who wanted to watch it was a supposedly straight frat boy yeah. who ended up mm-hmm. watching it more often than any <laughs> of us I've seen that porn and so yeah. he became he, he became a more popular boy after Damn. that <laughs> yeah i i've always been very interested in um Definitely like the straight porn industry and I've watched every documentary ever about it. Um, I never want to watch the actual porn, but I've seen like, have you guys ever seen, uh, what's it called? Life After Porn? Yeah. Yeah. Those documentaries on Netflix. They're really interesting to see these people talk about. I mean, very similar to uh, Boogie Nights where they talk about the highs and lows. Some of them, like, you you check in on them after all these years and they are not doing great. Right. Yeah. And right. some of them have done wonderful things and they yeah. show all these clips of them at their in their heydays and I think they're amazing documentaries. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool to see. I think that's the thing that makes me sometimes feel uncomfortable like when I talk about watching things that are overtly sexual even by myself. It's like sometimes I think are people really as comfortable as they they think doing this and what a huge decision that is and how mm-hmm. sometimes I know as an actor that if I get offered something that is very lucrative, I'll immediately say yes. What Like I'm not talking yeah. about anything of porn, but I'm talking about sex scenes on on because now we're moving into the world where we're seeing everything on regular TV shows. Oh, and yeah. so I think like moving into that, it's I love documentaries like that because they explore people who lived in this industry. And it's true. There are people who love it, own it. Like it was the best decision they ever made. And I think that 
that's very real and important. And I think that there are also people, I think sometimes you know that there are people who aren't emotionally ready for those kind of decisions yeah. and then they're making them and then they're being, um, they're kind of getting caught up in it and then it eventually I, messes with the way they feel in a longer scheme of things. And I think that mm -hmm. that's, but you know, that's, there's people in show business that are in show that, business yeah. and that happens to them just as much. So right. it's not to say. It's just another facet of show business. Yeah. And yeah. the truth is that it's, it's weird because I see the point in both sides. I see being like, well, you know, sex is a very intimate thing. It's a very, it can be a very invasive thing. It right. can be, it could scar and fuck you up. It's a building block of humanity. And so like the way you handle it and approach it and look at it and expect from it yeah. or get abused by it or taken advantage of by it is a real fucking thing. And it has a lot of weight. But also we grew up in a society built on this like all these conflicting puritanical ideals about it. Yeah. And the truth is we also don't need to be so protective and yeah. weird about it or so insecure about it or so like, oh, this is like sex. It's, it, and it, it's weird. I, I see both sides. Like, yeah. I, I see like, oh, wow, a eight, 18 year old girl who's been given a lot of meth and like fucked by seven guys is not OK ever. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the porn industry. But at the yeah. same time, somebody who wants to get paid to fuck and they're fine with it. That's fine. Why are we so uptight about it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because you go to other uh, I, you know, I just went to Paris and I my family was like, you have to go to a cabaret. And so we went to a cabaret and it was insanely sexy. And so it was so it was like the thing that, I, you know, Brazil, it's like you grow yeah, up and yeah. it's very common, very real. It's not nerve wracking. But then I think also um, there's a part of discomfort that comes with that because sometimes you're exposed to it before you're ready. Mm -hmm. I think mentally and uh, and so it's it's an it's interesting. It's an interesting, yeah. I think, individual process for anybody yeah. and figuring out like what is my sexuality and like what am I into and what where what is it and like uh, and I think that it's something for that's in, that's very personal. And so sometimes it's hard to to well, um, think about like what people go through with their own and and yeah. I think that that's that's what movies like this kind of like really show us and yeah. I think that there's everybody's so different you know and I and it's so uh, I love Boogie Nights because it was such a group of characters and it, it was a small part of their lives and they were all so different I will, and I think that's yeah. very cool I will say that it's pretty great that in many ways Boogie Nights kind of like is a parody of Mark Wahlberg's actual career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. He was a horrible singer and kudos to like him for not yeah. only either being unaware or aware and in on the joke, but yeah. it's difficult to sing that badly and that earnestly and all those like when he's recording his demo with John yeah. C. Riley. Well, that reminds me of the bad acting and the bad that acting. Julianne Moore does. Like, yeah, well, right, amazing. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. let me just check one thing. Yep, yeah. that's a huge cock. Yeah. Probably one of the best lines in any movie. But to think about, like, Mark Wahlberg did not have the acting experience at all no. to be having, you know, the the names that were in this movie, and yeah. all of this is on his shoulders, and he, he does a great yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. 
He's so innocent. I also yeah. think that that's so much about the. That's what I feel like the about directing. Paul Thomas Anderson is that even if you don't like the movie, like um, no, what was the last film he did? The Thread movie. Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. Never saw it. It was um, there was a lot of it that I I didn't care for as much, but. It, the performances are so good you can't stop you will never stop watching yeah. it because the performances he pulls out of people especially people who like have a lot you know he has some insanely experienced actors but then he'll also put a Paul Dano like mm-hmm. who wasn't oh, all yeah. that big and he's phenomenal yes and um, I think that there's something I think a lot of people become directors and they don't realize that the responsibility of the director at least for me as an actor I'm always like I don't have to worry about what I'm doing because the director will guide me and he'll Mm. be my eyes I just have to be present and I think that a lot of times we don't we don't get that so much and I think with him I think Marky Mark it was like the chance he took the performance he got out of him and the performance he got out of everybody I mean Luis Guzman in this film is now my favorite performance of Luis Guzman (laughs) ever like he doesn't need to do anything else ever again Um, for me I mean he I mean he could come on the podcast but other than that he doesn't have to he should yeah we'll have him soon Now it's time for Guess That Movie Title, or as it's known in Spanish, La Noche de las Narices Frias. So let's move on into our name game. Name game! So Simon's going to give us a couple of film titles that have been translated into Spanish, because a lot of times, or most times, they translate all the American movies into Spanish. Movies in other countries, American movies in other countries have the craziest, sometimes, uh, reimagining of titles. Yes. So I've taken those titles and retranslated them back into English. Okay. uh, So that we can play a game where I'm going to give you the name of the movie as it's known in Latin America, uh-huh. uh, and maybe a couple of clues. And you guys, uh, Mariana and James also do not know these things, so it's a fair game. So, like, an example, so this one doesn't count, but an example is uh, a 1990s uh, comedy uh, st- uh, co-starring John Candy and Joe Pesci. Uh, it's a Christmas film, and it's called My Poor Little Angel. That would be Home Alone. Whoa. My poor little angel. My poor little angel. Mi pobre angelito is home alone. All right. So oh, now, wow. Okay. okay now so now you kind of get what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now we're going to start with. Wait, John Candy's in Home Alone? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. the poker guy. Yeah. He gives the mom a ride. Yeah, that's right. Poca, 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 poca. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never, I never think of that as like a John Candy movie. I know. Yeah. I know. I, that, that's the other thing. When I give you actors, they might be in tiny roles. They're not right. the leads because right. I realize the clues give give it away. Yeah. So this one is one of my favorite reimaginings of a title. Uh, it's a 1969 film, um, and it is called Two Men, One Destiny. Stop. Oh, I know what it is. It's um, the mo- motorcycle movie. Am I on the right track? Maybe. Easy Rider. Nope, but oh. it's not. Uh, that's a good guess. Is it Butch Cassidy in the sentence? Yes! Two men, one destiny, or Amazing. dos hombres, un destino, <laughs> is the uh, so the Sundance fe- uh, Festival could have been called the Destino Festival if it was in Mexico. Amazing. All right, here's another one. This 1986 film uh, that uh, has Charlie Sheen in it is called Expert in Fun. 
expert in fun. Wow, what year? 1986. In this film, there's a parade and a joyride. Is it Angels in the Outfield? No, but I love that movie. <laughs> Again, this film is called Expert in Fun. Hot Shots. Nope. Nope. That sounds Charlie like Sheen it. is a cameo in this movie. Oh. Is it uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes, oh. James, too. Oh, man. Two for you. Wow. James. All right. Um, Okay, this one is a horror film that many say kind of rebooted the genre and helped a writer, the writer of this film, kind of kickstart their career. Uh, it is called Keep an Eye on Who's Calling, and it was released in 1996. Scream. Oh, good job. Right. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, keep an eye on who's calling with Scream. One of my favorite ones we did in another episode was uh, Thelma and Louise is known as Unexpected Ending. That's <laughs> 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 pretty amazing. Um, all right, we're going to do one last one. Okay. Uh, or two, two, two more. Okay, this mm -hmm. one uh, has uh, Martin Mull and Piers Brosnan. And it's called Dad Forever. Mm. Wow. Again, these actors are not the leads. Okay. Wait, what year? Uh, 1993. Okay. Dad Forever. Dad Forever. Dad like as in father or dead? Dad as in father. Okay. Papa uh, por siempre. Is it Look Who's Talking? No. Papa por siempre, I'll give you a little clue. In this movie, um, there is a party with a goat and a dinosaur rap about a raptor and um, uh, someone ordering food from a fancy restaurant and then pretending they cooked it themselves and saying, dinner is served. Whoa. Well, I ain't never seen this it's, shit. It's uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. You got it. Whoa. Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Holy cow. <laughs> Dad Forever, Pierce Brosnan is the uh, new boyfriend oh, in that movie. Oh, now I know. Okay. He's so beautiful. All right. In and that then movie. the very final one is a movie um, that is about an unlikely family in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, it also has um, a great scene where someone plays a mixtape, and it's got a. A really fun reveal at the end. Uh, wink, Boogie wink. Nights. Yes, it's called uh, Pleasure Games. Stop. Boogie Nights is called Pleasure Games in Mexico. I love that. <laughs> Juegos de Placer. Oh, my God. Oh my that's God. so funny. What right. a fun game. Right? Yeah. Well, well, that was amazing. So James clearly won. Yes. Congratulations. Oh. Yay. Oh, no, thanks, thanks. I'm going to wrap Thank it up with a <laughs> suggestion. And now... Simon's Recommends. Y ahora, Simon te lo recomienda. Uh, every time we, wa we, we, we do this, we always talk about uh, movies you should have seen and movies you should revisit. And so Boogie Nights is a movie you should revisit, assuming you've seen it, and you should watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, but then uh, I like to kind of tell people about movies that I'm pretty sure they haven't seen. And a lot of them are Latin-based because most times we don't really focus on, on the Latino movies. But this one movie that I watched uh, when it came out was one of my favorite movies of all time. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's kind of like the lock, stock, and two smoking barrels of Mexico. 
in the sense that it's kinetic and funny and action-packed. And at that time, when it was made, had the most expensive um, scene in a movie ever shot in Mexico, mm-hmm. where there's a car chase in the uh, studio, the nationals, like the, the big soccer stadium, the like our main soccer stadium in Mexico City. And it's called Matando Cabos. Matando Cabos or Killing Cabos is the story of two friends who have to, uh, who accidentally knock out their boss and his their boss is like unconscious and he's a mean son of a bitch who has been known to just do horrible things to the people who piss him off even in the slightest. And so having knocked him out unconscious, they are freaking out and put him in the trunk of their car. And Weekend at Bernie style? No, he's not no. dead. He's just oh. unconscious. <laughs> And uh, and all these other crazy things happen. The trunk gets stuck. He the car gets lost. Um, there's all these other amazing characters in it. Um, again, the editing in it is incredible. It's funny. It's kinetic. Uh, to give you an example of how weird and, and and fun this this movie is, there's a moment in the film where the two guys with the boss in the trunk of the car pull up to the side of a bus, and the bus kind of like swerves and almost cuts them off. And so they pull up to the driver of the bus and they go and they yell at him and he turns and they realize that he's cross-eyed. He's got like very crossed <laughs> eyes. And so they look at him and they're like, fuck you, fucking cross eyes. Or, you know, chingate pinche bisco. And they drive off. And that's that should have been the scene. But we instead of follow them, we stay on the bus driver and we see him kind of like really get affected <laughs> by this. And it cuts into a wonderful little montage of this kid's entire life. This driver. (laughs) You see him as a child being mocked for having crossed eyes in kindergarten. Then you see him in high school with flowers about to pick up a girl for prom. And uh, her friend comes down and says, she says she's not coming because you're fucking (laughs) cross-eyed. And then you see him dressed in his tuxedo at a a church. And the the priest says, as everyone's leaving the church, he's like, what did you expect? She wasn't going to show up. You're real fucking cross-eyed. And then it just cuts right back to him in the bus just being like, this is the straw. This is the last straw. Fuck it. And he just decides to chase down these guys and run them off the road. And that's a tiny, tiny branch of this sprawling (laughs) tree of a movie that is really funny, really smart, really, really great. It's called Matando Cabos. It's amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. Killing Cabos. Cabos is the name of the Mr. Cabos is the name of their boss. What year? Um, probably early thousand, early two thousands, yeah. like two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, it's phenomenal. I really, really think people will enjoy it. It's yeah, you I'm don't really need sure. to understand the Spanish. Like you can write it along with the subtitles. A lot of it is visual. There's a character who used to be an El Santo. <laughs> fighter but then he's retired and people are like do not call him mascarita <laughs> if you call him mascarita he will get real pissed off but then he accidentally takes uh, drugs in the movie and then there's like a scene in the movie that's just a black and white his drug trip is a black and white flashback to being in an El Santo movie. Oh it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to go watch it today. Yeah. All right. Um, Fun. So I really recommend Matando Cabos and Boogie Nights is a really good double feature. There you go. Uh, yeah. Roz, thank you for being here. Thanks yeah, for thank you, having yeah. you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Thanks, James. And viva el cine. Viva. Viva el cine. cine. Listen to Ghosted. Yes, yes. yes, Listen to Ghosted. It's on Starburns uh, Audio. Where can we follow you? 
Oh, I'm at Roz Drez Falez. It's all Z's. I'm sure the name's in the title. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but if you well. like spooky things and you like funny things, listen to my podcast. And I've had like Elvira and drag queens and comedians and psychics. And it's all about ghost stories and real spookiness. We love it. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. See you next time. See right. you next time. Bye. Starbanks Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.